to remember that original uh, trailer right there, huh? <laughs> That's all right. Today we're going to learn all about our age. Um, good morning. My name is Sarah. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'm one of the spiritual directors here. Um, I'm also married to Aaron, the lead pastor, and I'm excited to share with you this morning in our At the Movie series. Now, uh, I'll remind us that we're not preaching from movies, okay? Scripture is what shapes our lives, but during this series, we're using movies as inspiration and, and seeing how movies actually can even show us truths that are grounded in Scripture. And so if you are here today and Star Wars is new to you, the rest of us are going to try really hard not to shame you, okay? <laughs> there was a text feed going on with the staff over the weekend, and there's a couple staff members that I won't name who still haven't seen any Star Wars movies, which blows my mind, okay? But if you are a newbie to Star Wars, I'm going to try to give you real quick cliff notes. All right, first of all, the very first Star Wars film was Episode Four. You got that right. Not Episode One. Episode Four. And it came out in... 1977. For reference, that is the year your pastor, Aaron Escamilla, was born, okay? So it is an old franchise. This thing has been around for a while. Return of the Jedi celebrates its 40th birthday this year, okay? It came out in 1983. So this franchise has been around for a long time, and I'm just going to tell you right now, there's going to be a massive spoiler alert. I'm sorry. If you have not seen this in 40 years, you missed your opportunity Darth Vader is Luke's father, okay? Um, and most of you hopefully have seen a meme or heard somewhere, I am your father, okay? That's where this comes from. So we are going to focus today on Return of the Jedi, this episode six in the Star Wars series. Um, and as we're coming into this film, a little bit of background, Luke in the previous movie just found out that Darth Vader is his father. And not only did he find that out, but um, during a lightsaber battle, his dad cut off his hand. So you want to talk about family feuds and the issues you have in your family. They got some family issues that we're going to talk about. But in all seriousness, we all are going to encounter some pain and injustice in our lives, right? We will all encounter injustice at some point in our lives. And so today we're going to laugh, but we're also going to talk about some serious hurt and serious pain and things that we've experienced and whether by family or by friends, whether by coworkers, other people hurt us, and we experience that in different ways. Maybe as I look across this room, some of you have experienced loss. You've experienced death. You've experienced painful things, and this injustice creates this tension inside of us. And so we're going to look to Scripture to determine when we experience those things, how do we respond? You know, do we hold on to it? Will we get bitter? Do we seek revenge, or is there another option? And so last week, we started talking about a character named Joseph in the scriptures. Um, his story is found in the book of Genesis, but we're going to continue that story. We're going to look in Genesis chapter 37. Um, so while you turn there, you can pull it up in the Bible app on your phones. You can follow along, and there's notes in the NCC app if you haven't downloaded that. That's a great tool, and it has the points there that you can follow along with. Or you can Google Genesis chapter 37. But as you turn there, let's take a look at where Return of the Jedi begins. All right. So we see here the emperor and his dark plan that he has for Luke, all right, to turn him to the dark side. And uh, you see him discussing this plan with Luke's father, Darth Vader. Just like Luke, we all have an enemy, a real enemy, right? Um, we see in scripture that there is an enemy, is, they call him Satan, that just means the accuser. 
um, and he has plans to steal and to kill and destroy. And so it's important as we discuss today all the hurts and the pains that we experience that we recognize our enemy is never another person. As people, we can partner with the plans of the enemy. We can find ourselves rolling into that with other, other people and hurting other people out of the pain we experience. But the enemy has a plan for us. And as we look at the story of Joseph, if you look in Genesis chapter 37, you see now Joseph had these dreams, right? We talked about last week about how he was standing above his family, above his brothers. He was elevated, and he didn't know exactly what those things meant, but when he shared them with his dad and his brothers, it did not go over so well. Uh, in fact, his brothers got so done with all of it that one day when he was coming to meet them in the field to bring supplies, they decided they were going to murder him. They were done. Um, that's how badly they hated their brother. And so as we catch up in Genesis chapter 37, starting in verse 26, it says, Judah, one of the brothers, said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Too much trouble. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by Joseph's brothers, pulled him out of the cistern that they'd thrown him into to die, and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. So Joseph goes from being the wealthy son of a wealthy family to being sold into slavery. His injustice is not over yet. So these Midianite traders, they sell him to the captain of Pharaoh's guard in Egypt. His name is Potiphar. And so he goes and becomes a slave in Potiphar's household. And Potiphar's wife has an eye on Joseph and not because of how great he scrubs the floors. She has a little plan for him. Um, and so she tries to persuade Joseph to have an affair and Joseph, you see that he's clinging to these values of his God, the way that he was raised. And even despite everything that's already happened to him, he's like, I'm not going to do that. It'd be, it'd be wrong. It'd be wrong against you. It'd be wrong for my master Potiphar. It'd be wrong against my God. And Potiphar's wife is not having it. And so in Genesis chapter 39, verse 19, we see that Potiphar's wife tells him that Joseph came after her, and Potiphar was so furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. So now Joseph is not just a slave. He's not just betrayed by his brothers. He's wrongfully in prison for something he didn't even do. Um, it doesn't even end there. So we see that Joseph, he continues to to heal and to continue moving forward, and you see that he's elevated in the prison. He gets to kind of take a leadership position, and one day he overhears these two men who used to work in Pharaoh's household, the cupbearer and the baker, and they're talking about these weird dreams that they had, and he's like, hey, actually my God can interpret dreams, and so he listens to their dreams. He tells them what he thinks that they mean, and sure enough, those dreams come true, and he says, here's all I'm asking. Remember me. Whenever you get back to wherever you are in power, remember me and this service that I provided for you. But what happens then? Genesis chapter 40, verse 23. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. We all experience injustice in our lives, right? So how are we to respond when we get hurt? Uh, I was listening to a podcast uh, earlier. I don't know if you're a podcast fan. I love podcasts and was listening to this researcher who, who's an expert on forgiveness. And here's what he said. A lot of times we're just going about our everyday business of life, and injustices, they just slam us. And 
we're innocent, and yet we get slammed like that. And so my question was, what can we do about that to heal in a psychological sense? He said, it's very difficult to heal from injustices against us, but after 26 years of research on the topic, I'm thoroughly convinced that the one primary way to heal from such grave injustice is to actually take the time and go through the process of forgiving the person who has hurt us. Now, this is not a Christian. This is not a pastor. This is a psychologist. He's done all these studies of people in prison, people with chronic illness, people who suffer from depression, and he's saying the one thing that has worked is forgiveness, a process of forgiveness. It's not a moment. It's not a one-time thing. It's a process of forgiveness. That's the one thing, and it's a, it's a skill. It has to be learned. It has to be cultivated. It's like kindness or patience, right? We, we don't think of patience as being something we have one day and we don't have the next. It's something we continually ask for, right? And forgiveness is the same kind of skill. And the first step in forgiving is to acknowledge the wrong that was done and allow ourselves to grieve that loss. And here's why this is so important. It could be something that's seemingly small. A coworker talk behind your back, okay, and it hurt you. And you think, why does it even matter? Like, it's not that big of a deal, okay? But that is a hurt. And left alone, injustice, left untouched, becomes darkness in our lives. So up to this point, you can see the tension. Luke is hoping that this is not true, that his dad is not the one who betrayed him. And, and he's faced with that. And you hear his mentor, Yoda, cautioning him, be careful about how you handle this. Because anger and fear and feeding into that is only going to cause you to walk down the same path your dad went down. And that's the same caution we have. If we rush through, if we don't allow ourselves to take time and pause and recognize the pain that we're experiencing, to process that. Grief is a very messy, difficult thing. It means some days we feel angry and some days we feel sad. And taking the time to process through that grief is so vitally important. Because injustice, when it's left alone and untouched, it becomes darkness in our lives. It reminded me of a few years ago, our son Jaron um, was rushed to Children's Hospital. He was in Children's Hospital for 10 days with this infection in his blood. And I had taken him to the ER because he was running a fever, and I thought, like, simple, right? Strep throat, give him a shot, send us home. And they put him in this ambulance, and we're rushing along, and I'm trying to understand what, what happened here. Like, how, how did we end up in this situation, and the doctor's like, well, it looks like he had like a scratch on his knee, and some bacteria got into that scratch, and it went into his joint, and from his joint, it spread throughout his body, and it's in his blood, and he has sepsis, and, and he almost died. It was one of the scariest things in my entire life, all because of a scratch on a knee, and that's how pain is, how injustice is. If we let it alone, and we don't process it, it gets infected, it festers, it becomes anger. They did this research study with men who were in prison for lifetime or long sentences. 50% of them volunteered into this forgiveness study and had never told another living soul about the pain that they'd experienced as children until that day. They had left it inside of them to fester and become anger, and it acted itself out in crime. Because they just left it there. We cannot just leave injustice. Wounds are like that. And, and we see this in the life of Joseph. So if you look in, in Genesis as the story continues, Joseph is 
he gets out of prison. Pharaoh remembers, Pharaoh's cupbearer remembers him. He brings him, he's elevated, right, to become the second most powerful man in the kingdom. And Egypt experiences this famine. So there's no food, and Joseph's leadership helps them to prevent the famine, to help people to have food. And people from all over the region are coming for food, including, surprise, surprise, Joseph's family. So Joseph's brothers show up one day before him, and have you ever had that happen? Like you haven't seen somebody in a long time, and they've hurt you, and they show up before you, and all of a sudden, whew, what comes to your mind? Well, we see this in Genesis chapter 42. This is what it says. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him, and he remembered the dreams he'd had about them many years before. Joseph wasn't sitting there like, pondering how to get back at his brothers or thinking about how he could use his elevated position to get back at someone. In fact, the scripture saying I read a, a study that said he actually didn't live that far away from where his family was. But he was not holding on to bitterness or revenge or needing anything back from his brothers. He'd forgiven. He'd moved on. But had his brothers, further down in verse 21, it says, they're speaking among themselves, and they say, clearly we're being punished because of what we did to Joseph long ago. We saw his anguish when he pleaded for his life, but he wouldn't listen. That's why we're in this trouble. Didn't I tell you to sin against the boy? So Reuben comes out, and he's like, this is your fault, but you wouldn't listen, and now we have to answer for his blood. And they didn't know that Joseph understood everything they were saying because he'd been speaking through an interpreter. His brothers had not moved on. They were carrying the burden of what they'd done to their brother all these years. But he had. The first step in forgiving is to give ourselves permission to grieve, but the second step is to decide we're willing to forgive. We're willing to let the other person off the hook. Whew, that is hard. It is hard, okay? And again, this is not a one-time thing. This is a process. It's making a conscious decision that we're willing to walk down that road to release the other person from the harm that they did to you. Let me be clear. Forgiving is not forgetting. Forgiving is not saying what happened to you was okay. That is not what forgiving is. Forgiving is not reconciliation. It doesn't mean just because you forgive the other person that you have to restore that relationship in your life. Reconciliation takes two people, both being willing. Forgiving takes one. Just one person willing to let the other person off of the hook. Forgiveness says what happened to me was not okay, and it will never be okay, but... I can rise above it by responding differently. I can rise above what happened to me. Joseph had forgiven his brothers. He still didn't trust them. You see throughout the rest of this chapter, he starts putting them through these tests to see where are the intentions? Have they changed at all? When we decide to forgive, we're recognizing that the anger and the pain and the things that we're holding on to, they don't serve us. They don't make us more caring people. They don't make us more kind people. Actually, typically they make us more like the people we don't want to be like. The longer we hold on to that anger, that bitterness, that pain, the more we dump it on other people in our lives who don't deserve it because we don't have a place to release it. And that's why forgiveness is so powerful. But forgiveness requires seeing the brokenness that we share with others. In order to forgive, it means share, seeing the shared brokenness that we share with other people. And we see this with him. He's trying to show, hey, I understand where you're coming from. We see this in the life of Joseph. In, chapter Genesis, in Genesis chapter 45, it says, I am Joseph, your brother, 
whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. Don't be upset. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Joseph recognizes that the problem is not his brothers here. And the problems that we face are not from people. The world is not broken because of bad people. The world is broken because of all people. We all contribute to the brokenness in our world. The minute we think that we're better than other people, that we're not in any way contributing to hurting other people, is the minute we've put ourselves in the wrong seat. God is the only one who is good and in complete control. And, and just to be clear, God is not the one who causes the brokenness, but he does redeem it and use it. He's able to take what we give to him, no matter how messed up or how painful, and to turn it around and to use it like in Joseph's life to bless other people. Joseph shares that the injustice that was in his life, God used it to save, literally save hundreds of thousands of people's lives, including the lives of his family. Joseph saw there could be purpose in his pain. The third step in forgiving is aptly called the work phase, the work phase, because we have to take time to think about the person who hurt us. What are they like? What was their life like? Are they hurt? We have a saying in our house, hurt people hurt people. Because when somebody hurts us, we, if we pause and recognize what caused them to react that way, what pain are they feeling that they feel like they have to dump that pain back on me? And when we start to do that work of thinking through and connecting to and seeing the brokenness we share with other people, a person who's made in the same image of God that you are made in, it starts to change something within us. It's, it's hard. It takes time and intentionality, but forgiveness is... Man, you see that moment where he looks down at his hands. And he realizes, oh my gosh, I'm becoming what I did not want to become. Like I'm repeating the same mistakes that were made to me. And he stops. That is powerful when we recognize that in our lives. And, and you may be here this morning and you may be struggling forgiving yourself for something that you did. If you look in the book of Genesis over and over, this is going to sound very similar to what I read before. Genesis chapter 45, verse 7 and 8. Joseph again is talking to his brothers, and he says, God sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace, and the governor of all of Egypt. Even years later, when Jacob, their dad, passes away, the brothers come back, and they're like, man, Joseph, like, just, we're really sorry. We're still really sorry. They still have not moved on. Are you doing that to yourself? Are you holding yourself accountable for something that you, have, you need to let go of, that God has forgiven you for? Self-forgiveness is just as hard sometimes as forgiving others. But Joseph, when he forgives his brothers, he's able to give them the gift of compassion, of release, of kindness, and relief, hopefully, from the burden that they've been carrying all these years. But imagine, just for a minute, that Joseph didn't do that that Joseph's heart was different, that back in Potiphar's house, when Potiphar's wife is coming after him, he's like, what the heck? I mean, my life sucks anyway. You know, why bother? What if when he's in prison, he's like, I've hit the bottom. I'm done. God, I'm done. Forget the dreams you gave me. Forget all the plans. Forget all the things you taught me. This is what you think of me. And he, he just let go. How different 
would the life of his family be? How different would our history be? Would the story of Egypt be? Like, ev- there were so many people affected by the fact that he had a heart that was willing to forgive. And that's what happens in our lives. Just like we sang about this morning, there's power in the things that we say and the things we do, not just for ourselves, but for our communities, for our families. What would our nation look like if people learned to forgive? If they stopped holding other people, their feet to the fire for every mistake that they make, what would our communities look like? What would our schools look like if our kids learned how to forgive the people that hurt them? It'd look very different than the world that we live in right now. This Dr. Robert Enright that I was listening to, he said, forgiveness is proven to reduce anxiety depression, and anger. It's also proven to improve self-esteem and overall life fulfillment. When you become a person who's forgiving, it boosts your view of yourself. You're like, I'm, I'm the type of person that can forgive other people. And it's not false. It's not you ignoring the pain. It's you acknowledging the pain and still being able to move forward with it. That's the power that comes from when we forgive. One study found that people who were clinically depressed and on medication were completely free of depression and off of their meds after going through this structured forgiveness journey. Another expert said there's two hallmarks of forgiveness. One is that when you tell the story of what happened to you, it no longer makes you feel frustrated, angry, or scared. The other hallmark of forgiveness is experiencing a sense of peace even in relation to the person who wronged you. Forgiving someone of the hurt that they cause you, it releases the power that that has over your life. You're able to let go of the burden of carrying that pain around with you all the time. And you're able to release your family and your friends from the risk of getting that poured and dumped onto them, right? Forgiving someone, it's hard. But through forgiving, we're able to experience peace, a lasting peace. And I want to share a couple things with you. One, as I was preparing for this message over the last couple of weeks, um, if you know me, you know, like, I go deep. Research is the the, the teacher in me. But I I really felt God leading me to share this with you. Um, I'm a pastor's wife, right? And I've, I've been in ministry for most of my adult life. But a couple years ago, I was driving home from Arkansas, visited my sister, and I uh, just felt God telling me to turn off the radio and just sit for a minute. And I just started talking to the Lord about some things that I was feeling, and um, it was like a, a dam in me broke. I, when I was younger, I experienced some abuse at the hands of someone in authority over me who should have been caring for me, should have been a caregiver, should have been a trusted leader, and it wasn't until I was in college that I was really even able to acknowledge what had happened to me or or talk about it with a counselor. But here I found myself in my car in my 30s, and this thing was still with me, and I, I was so hurt and so angry Uh, angry that this happened to me as a kid, now as a mom, as a parent, angry at God for letting it happen to me. Um, And I came home and I was talking to my husband about 
what I felt like God was doing in me, and I was like, man, Aaron, I feel like, I feel like God wants me to let this guy off the hook, and I do not want to do that. It has taken a, a long time and a lot of processing with my therapist and with the Holy Spirit, but I can stand here and tell you, I've, I've gotten to that place. I recognize that, man, the, whatever pain he threw on me had nothing to do with me, and I don't know what he was going through. But can I tell you, I don't feel like this every day. I don't. There are days I wake up, and I'm like, oh, God, it's there again, you know? Forgiveness is not a one-time decision. It is a practice. It's a practice. And it is work, y'all. It's work. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. And I share that because, again, I think sometimes people look at me and are like, you're a pastor's wife. What do you know? You know, your dad was a pastor. What do you know? I know a lot. Y'all, we all do. Don't look at somebody around you and assume you know their story. Just because they're standing up today doesn't mean they were on their face yesterday. Like, people are hurting around us. And they, they need our help. And, and we need one another's help to learn to forgive, to overcome these things. Because getting on the other side, it does bring peace. It brings healing. It brings the ability to pass that compassion and that kindness on to other people who deserve it. And so there's a few resources I want to share with you that have been really helpful for me. One is this book. It's called Back in Control. It's actually by a neurosurgeon. And he links chronic pain to unforgiveness and anxiety. It is an incredible book. And if you experience chronic pain, I cannot recommend it highly enough. His exercise is the one we're going to do here in a minute. This is also another one. Forgiveness is a choice. This is the step-by-step guide that I mentioned earlier by this Dr. Robert Enright. This is his website, International Forgiveness. Um, and this is the podcast I was mentioning that, that I listened to. I, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. And again, these are not Christian resources. These are just psychologists. But what they're talking about are scriptural principles. They don't know it, but it's true. So I have this. Does someone want it? This book is like less than 20 bucks, y'all. Go on Amazon and buy it. But um, I, I want to take a minute. I want to do a couple things. Because um, I, I really believe this morning there were some people here who needed this. Like you didn't know it when you woke up this morning, but God woke you up and God got you here because you needed to hear this. There's healing for you here in his presence with his body. There is healing here for you and there's space here for you. And so uh, before we move on, would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? If you're here this morning and you do not have a relationship with God, you're listening to me talk about me talking to God in my car, and you're like, I, have, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't have that kind of relationship with God. God wants that relationship with you. And it's okay if you're mad at him. It's okay if you don't understand why you had to experience some of the pain in your life. He can take that. He can handle it. He can handle your pain. But he wants that relationship with you. He's a loving father. And so if you're here today, and that is you. You're like, I have not surrendered my life. I haven't surrendered my future, my dreams to God. I, I want us to pray together. And so everybody in this room, will you pray this? Just repeat after me so nobody's praying alone. Jesus, I come to you. Jesus, I come to you. 
I surrender my life. I surrender my pain. I surrender my dreams. I recognize I've sinned. I've contributed to the brokenness in the world. Make me new. Be my savior. Be my Lord. Have control of my life. I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Will you celebrate? The Bible says that heaven celebrates anytime any one of us makes that surrendered prayer. And here's, here's how I want all of us to respond. Underneath all your seats, there should be a piece of paper. And um, there's a couple action steps we're going to put up here on the screen that I encourage you to take with you. But we're going to practice one this morning. And I know this is a little bit different. Um, you're probably not used to doing this in church. But this is a practice that I highly recommend. And we're going to go through it a little faster. But all you're going to do is you're going to set a timer for 5 to 15 minutes at home today. We're going to do a little bit faster. Um, and you're just going to write. Write about your pain write about what you're angry about, write about how you're hurt, it doesn't, there's no right or wrong thing, just take a few minutes to write, and then what you're going to do is you're going to come up here, there's trash cans up here, you're going to tear up that piece of paper and throw it in the trash, and this is like a mental cleansing practice, there's no pressure over what you write because no one else is ever going to read it, so you can write down whatever you want, however angry you are, whatever words come out onto that paper, those are true, and truth is always a friend of being close to God. And so uh, you're going to take a few minutes, you're going to write, take your own time, um, and whenever you're ready, you can come up here and you can tear those up and throw those in the trash cans.